ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا وسيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد Today's chapter is going to focus on the subject of dua in specific. Some of the evidences about making dua and Allah answering the dua of a believer. That's the kind of topic this chapter is going to look at now. So here it mentions, تَقَدَّمَ مَعَنَا فَضْلُ الدُّعَاءِ مِنْ خِلَالِ عَرْضِ جُمْلَةِ جملة من نصوص القرآن الكريم الدالة على عظم فضله وجلالة شأنه That we've already covered in the previous chapters some of the evidences about the virtues of dua and the great station and rank of making dua. Now though there are going to be some further evidences and narrations talking about the benefits of making dua and the fruits of making dua. فَمِنْ ذَلِكَ مَا ثَبَتَ فِي السُّنَنِ عَنِ النُّعْمَانِ بْنِ بَشِيرِ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ أَنَّ رَسُولَ اللَّهِ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ قَالْ So one of the evidences in the sunnah is the hadith of النُّعْمَانِ ibn Bashir رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ where the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Ad-du'a huwa al-ibadah. That du'a, it is the worship. Indicating that du'a is one of the greatest forms of worship. Because this is just like the hadith, where the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Al-hajju arafah. That hajj is arafah. But of course we know it's not just Arafah. There are other parts and pillars to the Hajj also. But when the Prophet ﷺ said Hajj is Arafah, it was to highlight how important the pillar of Arafah is, the day of Arafah is. That it is the greatest of the rites of Hajj and the greatest of the days of Hajj, the day of Arafah. So this is similar to that. Dua is ibadah. We know that dua is not the only ibadah. There are many different forms of worship. But the fact that the Prophet is telling us dua is ibadah. Is highlighting how important this act of worship of dua is. So when the Prophet said, Ad-dua huwa al-ibadah. ثُمَّ قَرَأَ Then he recited وَقَالَ رَبُّكُمْ اُدْعُونِي أَسْتَجِبْ لَكُمْ إِنَّ الَّذِينَ يَسْتَكْبِرُونَ عَنْ عِبَادَتِي سَيَدْخُلُونَ جَهَنَّمَ دَاخِرِينَ And your Lord said Call upon me وَقَالَ رَبُّكُمْ اُدْعُونِي In the Quran Allah tells us Make dua to me. And your Lord said, 
make dua to me, supplicate to me, call upon me, astajib lakum, I will answer you, I will answer you, I will respond to you. إِنَّ الَّذِينَ يَسْتَكْبِرُونَ عَنْ عِبَادَتِي سَيَدْخُلُونَ جَهَنَّمَ دَاخِرِينَ And then Allah says, those who are arrogant from doing my worship, meaning my dua, those who are arrogant from doing dua and calling upon me, then they will enter the hellfire. So this indicates how great this act of worship, the dua is. In another hadith, in the sunan of a tirmidhi and others, Abu Hurairah radiyallahu anhu mentioned from the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, لَيْسَ شَيْءٌ أَكْرَمُ عَلَى اللَّهِ مِنَ الدُّعَاءِ There is nothing more honorable with Allah than dua. A person making dua, a believer calling upon Allah, supplicating to Allah. There is nothing more honorable with Allah than dua. So this again indicates the tremendous virtue of dua and the great station and the great type of worship dua is. Some of the scholars have mentioned, like a Shaykh Al-Fawzan, Hafizahullah Ta'ala, that some people, they don't make dua because of the whisperings of the shaitan telling them it's never going to work. What's the point of making dua? You're never going to get that. It's never going to happen. If the decree has already been written, then how is it going to happen for you now? And so the shaitan whispers all of those types of things to a person to the extent that the person doesn't even bother with dua thinking there's no point and it's hopeless. And that there's no way this could possibly work out. What's the point of making dua about it? That is from the whisperings of the shaitan upon a person preventing him from doing this great act of worship of making dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so that would be a form of arrogance or a form of losing hope in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that a person abandons the dua thinking that it's pointless or useless and rather he should remember Allah said قَالَ رَبُّكُمْ اُدْعُونِي أَسْتَجِبْ لَكُمْ Make dua to me, I will respond to you, I will answer to you. ففي هذه الأحاديث دلالة على فضل الدعاء وعظيم كرمه عند الله ورفيع مكانته من العبادة وأنه روحها ولبها وأفضلها وإنما كان ذلك كذلك لأمور عديدة So the reason why dua is such a great act of worship There are multiple reasons in fact Number one, أَنَّ الدُّعَاءِ فِيهِ التَّضَرَّعْ إِلَى اللَّهِ وَإِظْهَارُ الضَّعْفِ وَالْحَاجَةِ إِلَيْهِ سُبْحَانَةِ That when you make dua, within that, there is an indication of your weakness. 
you are accepting and acknowledging your weakness before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So you are absolutely in humility before Allah, knowing that you are a weak creation of Allah, in need of Allah. So all of that is one of the reasons why dua is such a great act of worship. It shows your obedience to Allah, your submission to Allah, and your recognition of how weak you are and in need you are of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Secondly, أَنَّ الْعِبَادَةِ كُلَّمَا كَانَ الْقَلْبُ فِيهَا أَخْشَعْ وَالْفِكْرُ فِيهَا حَاضِرًا فَهِيَ أَفْضَلُ وَأَكْمَلُ وَالدُّعَاءُ أَقْرَبُ الْعِبَادَاتِ إِلَى حُصُولِ هَذَا الْمَقْصُودِ فَإِنَّ حَاجَةَ الْعَبْدِ تَدْفَعُهُ إِلَى الْخُشُوعِ وَحُضُورِ الْقَلْبِ The second reason why dua is such a great act of worship is because whenever a person does an act of worship with their heart fully focused on it, with their heart fully focused on that act of worship, then the greater it is and the more perfect it is that act of worship for that person. And the dua is at the top of that list. When a person genuinely, sincerely makes dua to Allah, then he's doing that with his full focus and his full need to have that dua answered from Allah. So he has his full concentration in making that dua to Allah, full heart into making that dua to Allah. Because he knows he is weak and he is in need of Allah to answer his dua. So that's why it becomes a great act of worship. Anytime a person fully focuses with his heart on an act of worship, then it becomes a greater act of worship for that person. So dua is at the top of the list for those types of worships. You are going to focus fully with your heart in that dua. Thirdly, that dua, it is alongside having your trust in Allah and seeking aid and assistance from Allah. You are making your dua with conviction, with absolute trust in Allah that Allah will answer your dua. And you are seeking that aid and assistance from Allah. In whatever your affair is that you are making dua for, you are asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for aid and assistance in that particular affair. فَإِنَّ التَّوَكُّلَ هُوَ الْإِعْتِمَادُ بِالْقَلْبِ عَلَى اللَّهِ وَالثِّقَةُ بِهِ فِي حُصُولِ الْمَحْبُوبَاتِ وَانْدِفَاعِ الْمَكْرُوهَاتِ your absolute trust in Allah is your dependence from your heart in Allah, your full trust in Allah, that what you desire and love can be given to you from Allah, and that which you hate and is harmful can be removed from you by Allah. You have your absolute trust and dependence with your heart in Allah, that you can be given the good that you desire 
and that the harm and the evil can be removed from you. فَإِنَّ الدَّاعِي يَعْلَمْ ضُرُورَتَهُ التَّامَّةِ إِلَى اللَّهِ So the one who is making the dua knows his absolute necessity to Allah. وَأَنَّ أُمُورَهُ جَمِيعَهَا بِيَدِهِ And that all of his affairs are in the control of Allah. فَيَطْلُبُهَا مِنْ رَبِّهِ رَاجِيًا لَهُ وَافِقًا بِهِ وَهَذَا هُوَ الرُّوحُ الْعِبَادَةِ So when you know that every single affair, every single thing, whatever it may be, is in the control of Allah. That whatever you're asking for, it is under the control of Allah. So in that case, when you have that recognition, that everything is under the control of Allah, and whatever you are seeking is in the control of Allah, then you ask Allah for that thing with your absolute trust and hope, with absolute hope that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will answer your dua. In fact, there's even a hadith where the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam told us that when you make dua, you are not supposed to make it half-heartedly. When you make dua, you're supposed to make it convinced that Allah will answer your dua. Not half-heartedly, you think it's not going to happen most likely, but let me make dua. Not like that. You make dua with conviction and trust, knowing that Allah can answer your dua fully. Not just maybe, probably not half-heartedly, you don't make dua like that. The Prophet ﷺ said, that when you make the dua, فَلْيَعْزِمِ الْأَمْرِ In the hadith it mentions, then let him have conviction in the affair. Conviction in that matter that you are asking for. Not half-heartedly thinking it's probably never going to happen, but let me make dua. In that way, you are making dua half-heartedly, and that's not correct. Make your dua with conviction that Allah controls all of the affairs. Everything is under the control of Allah. Have your absolute trust in Allah, dependence in Allah, full submission and focus with your heart in making that dua, and Allah is the one who answers the dua. So when you do that, that is ruhul ibadah. That is the, 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 the core, the spirit of worship. That is the reality of worship. على أنه ينبغي أن يتنبه إلى أن هذا لا يعني تفضيل الدعاء على غيره من العبادات مطلقا. This doesn't mean like we said that dua is the absolute top worship. It is one of the greatest forms of worship. And there are other great forms of worship as well. So dua is one of those great forms of worship. And there are many others we already discussed at the beginning of the book, like the recitation of the Qur'an even. Recitation of the Qur'an is a great and tremendous act of worship. And in fact, we mentioned from all of the type of remembrance, the recitation of the Qur'an is at the top. So there are many acts of worship that are tremendous and great acts of worship, and the dua is one of them. Then... 
it mentions that a person should be well aware of these virtues and well aware of the reality of dua so that he does not lose out on this opportunity of worshipping Allah with dua in rectifying his life and whatever may be going on and the difficulties and hardships. A person doesn't want to miss out in making dua and making it in the proper way with that trust in Allah that Allah can rectify all of his affairs. Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah rahimahullah ta'ala mentioned ضابطاً دقيقاً للتفاضل بين العبادات وتنوع ذلك بحسب أجناس العبادات وأوقاتها واختلاف أمكنتها واختلاف القدرة على القيام بها ونحو ذلك Ibn Taymiyyah mentioned that the level of virtue in your dua that you make and the strength of the dua that you make can be different depending on the time that you make it. When do you make it? Depending on the place that you make it. Maybe certain places there is more greatness to your dua. Maybe certain times in the sunnah it tells us there is more virtue to making your dua. And also in times of your ability Maybe you have more ability, less ability at times to make dua. That can impact on the uh, strength of your dua. وَعَلَى ضَوْئِهِ يُدْرِكُ الْمُسْلِمُ الْأَفْضَلَ لَهُ بِحَسَبْ تِلْكَ الْعِتِبَارَاتِ الْمُشَارِ إِلَيْهَا So then depending on those different times and places and circumstances, you may achieve the best type of dua in those various circumstances. And we know there are many of those. Some of those will be mentioned here. The obvious ones, like the last third of the night, for example. The last third of the night is one of the greatest times to make your dua and for it to be answered. In the hadith it mentions, يَنزِلُ رَبُّنَا إِذَا بَقِيَ ثُلُثُ اللَّيْلِ الْأَخِيرِ يَنزِلُ رَبُّنَا إِلَى سَمَاءِ الدُّنْيَا uh, فيقول من يسألني فأعطيه من يستغفرني فأغفر له من يتوب all those uh, 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 narrations متواترة where Allah سبحانه وتعالى descends to the lowest heaven in the last third of the night and then says who is asking me for anything and I will give it to him who is seeking forgiveness I will forgive him who is wanting repentance and he will be given it that is in the last third of the night the last third of the night, a virtuous time to make dua, to pray the Qiyamul Layl and to make dua. Also, there are many other times, like on the Friday, in the narration it mentions on the day of Friday, there is a particular time, a particular time slot during the Friday, where the dua is answered. The scholars, they differed over where that time slot is on a Friday. Some of them said it's at Jumu'ah time. During the Jumu'ah time, your dua is answered. In the Jumu'ah prayer and during the Jumu'ah. Others they said, no, it's at the end, after Asr, before Maghrib time, at the end of the day. But the point is, you should strive in making dua on Fridays, so that you may catch that time whenever it occurs during the Friday. Also, 
From the times when your dua is more likely to be answered, when you are between the time of the Adhan and the Iqama. When the Adhan is done for the prayer, then you have 5, 10, 15 minutes before the Iqama is going to be done and the prayer is going to be prayed. In that time period between the Adhan happening and the prayer and the Iqama happening, that's a time to make dua as well. And it is a time that your dua may be answered, more opportunity and chance for it to be answered. Also, when you're in the prayer, and in particular in the sujood, in the prostration, when you are in prostration, making dua in prostration in the sujood, then that is another opportunity for the dua to be more likely answered. In the hadith it mentions, أَقْرَبُ مَا يَكُونُ الْعَبْدُ مِنْ رَبِّهِ وَهُوَ سَاجِدٌ The closest a person is to his Lord is when he is in prostration. The closest a person is to his Lord is when he is in prostration. So in that prostration is a time to make dua. Also, for example, when you're traveling, during your travel, making dua, it's another opportunity for it to be answered. So there are lots of different times, lots of different times where the dua is more likely to be answered. So a person should strive in those times and generally at all times in making dua for his affairs. Qala rahimahullah so, Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah said, إِنَّ الْأَفْضَلَ يَتَنَوَّعْ تَارَةً بِحَسَبْ أَجْنَاسِ الْعِبَادَاتِ كَمَا أَنَّ جِنْسَ الصَّلَاةِ أَفْضَلْ مِنْ جِنْسِ الْقِرَاءَةِ وَجِنْسِ الْقِرَاءَةِ أَفْضَلْ مِنْ جِنْسِ الذِّكْرِ وَجِنْسِ الذِّكْرِ أَفْضَلْ مِنْ جِنْسِ الدُّعَاءِ Sometimes you can make levels between the different worships in terms of their type. So for example, prayer on the whole is better than recitation. And recitation on the whole is better than remembrance and dhikr. And remembrance and dhikr on the whole is better than dua. You have different levels of actions on the whole. Then also you can have differences in terms of the times when you do them taratan yakhtalifu bi ikhtilaf al awqat kama anna al qira'ah wa al dhikr wa al du'a ba'da al fajr wa al asr huwa al mashru' duna salah so for example in certain times certain types of worship are to be done not others and so they are more virtuous in those times like for example after the fajr and the asr there are no other Prayers that you're supposed to pray. Once you've prayed your Fajr prayer, then there's no other prayer until sunrise. And once you've prayed your Asr, there's no other prayer until Maghrib. So in those times, prayer isn't the virtuous thing to do now, but dua and recitation and dhikr, you can do in those times. So they would be virtuous at those times. And the prayer, for example, generally is not prayed at those times. وَتَارَةً بِاخْتِلَافِ عَمَلِ الْإِنسَانِ الظَّاهِرِ كما أن الذكر والدعاء في الركوع والسجود هو المشروع دون القراءة وكذلك الذكر والدعاء في الطواف مشروع بالاتفاق 
So sometimes it can be the apparent actions, the certain types of actions that you do. So for example, doing remembrance and dua in the ruku' and in the sujood, then that's legislated to do dua in the ruku' and the sujood. But recitation, are you supposed to recite the Qur'an in ruku' and in sujood? Nope. So there you see a difference about the different worships at different times. Also in tawaf. When you are doing tawaf, then it is legislated to do dhikr and dua as you're doing tawaf. But there's a difference over whether you're supposed to be reciting Qur'an, even though the majority of the scholars generally say you can. But again, you have those differences. And then in terms of the place that you are at, the place can make a difference in worship. So for example, places like Arafah and Muzdalifah and at the places of stoning and Safa and Marwa. In those kinds of places, Dua and Dhikr is legislated. Dua and Dhikr generally is legislated. Prayer, not particularly. You only pray your specific prayers that you pray and that's it. The Maghrib, Isha, etc., they are prayed, but you don't pray Qiyamul Layl or, or Sunnah prayers or Nawafil prayers. But Dhikr and Dua are legislated in those places. In Arafah, you spend all day there in Dua, in Dhikr, remembrance and supplication, but not prayer all day. Prayer is just the Dhuhr and Asr and that's it. So, in certain places, certain acts of worship have more uh, uh, virtue than others. And then also, it can depend upon the person himself. How virtuous an act of worship is, can depend on the person himself, and depend on the abilities of a person himself. تَارَةً يَخْتَلِفُ بِاخْتِلَافِ حَالِ قُدْرَةِ الْعَبْدِ وَعَجْزِهِ فَمَا يَقْدِرُ عَلَيْهِ مِنَ الْعِبَادَاتِ أَفْضَلُ فِي حَقِّهِ مِمَّا يَعْجِزُ عَنْهُ so a person who is capable of doing certain acts of worship but isn't capable of doing others, then for him it's virtuous to do the ones that he can do. They are virtuous for him to do those acts of worship. They are better for him. As for the ones he can't do, he can't do them. But the other ones now, it is virtuous for him to do them, he can do them. وَإِن كَانَ جِنْسُ عَنْهُ أَفْضَلُ It could be that the worship that he's not able to do as a type, is better than the one that he is able to do as a type of worship. But because he's not capable of that one, even though it's better, then the one that he is capable of is now for him, in his circumstance, that's the better one. Because that's the one he can do. That's the one he's capable of doing. Whereas the other one, he is incapable of it. فَإِنَّ مِنَ النَّاسِ مَنْ يَرَى أَنَّ الْعَمَلَ إِذَا كَانَ أَفْضَلَ فِي حَقِّهِ لِمُنَاسَبَةِ لَهُ وَلِكَوْنِهِ أَنْفَعْ لِقَلْبِهِ وَأَطْوَعْ لِرَبِّهِ يُرِيدُ أَنْ يَجْعَلَهُ أَفْضَلَ لِجْمِعِ النَّاسِ So sometimes people they think just because a certain act of worship they are focused on it and they do it they think that this is therefore the best worship for them and they think it has to be the best for everybody else. Not necessarily. Maybe some other people they are more capable of other types of worship. So for them, those may be the more better ones for them to do. 
So then the Sheikh says in conclusion here, يَنْبَغِي أَنْ يُعْلَمْ أَنَّ الْعَمَالَ الْمُتَسَاوِيَةِ فِي الْجِنْسِ تَتَفَاضَلُ بِتَفَاضَلِ مَا فِي الْقُلُوبِ مِنَ الْإِيمَانِ بِاللَّهِ وَالْمَحَبَّ لَهُ وَالتَّعْظِيمِ لِشَرْعِهِ وَقَصْدِ وَجِهِهِ بِالْعَمَلِ تَفَاضُلًا لَا يُحْصِيهِ وَلَا يُحِيطُ بِهِ إِلَّا اللَّهِ And also, actions that are the same, depending on who does them, they could have different virtue. If a person with iman does them properly with iman and tawakkul in Allah and love for Allah, a person like that does acts of worship, they are greater than a person who is negligent doing those acts of worship. So a person in terms of his iman and strength of that iman and his recognition of the legislation of Allah, he does those actions, they will be virtuous compared to somebody who is being negligent of them. So this is a brief look at some of the different types of worship and dua that a person can engage in. Uh, that's the end of that particular chapter. We'll leave it on there. We were slightly late today. Maghrib time has come in. So we'll do the next chapter next time, inshallah ta'ala. Uh, and the objective is, the intention is, inshallah, to begin around about 8.30 p.m. So I will try insha'Allah ta'ala to be here for 8.30 p.m. next week to begin on time because Maghrib is going to be even closer. So insha'Allah we'll try our best to start at 8.30 next week. Generally, generally that's uh, something good. A person faces the Qibla and making dua. It's generally something which is mentioned. It, I don't know about any specific narration because even the Salaf, when they used to be next to the grave of the Prophet, they would not recommend doing dua there even if you face the Qibla. But generally, facing the Qibla is a good thing in making the dua. Can you make dua in Ruku like you can in Sujood? In Ruku, there are other forms of dhikr, and the dua is better in the Sujood. In ruku, you can do the other du'as and things that are mentioned. But in the sujood, to make a du'a, and it can be done in other languages, it doesn't have to be Arabic. If you want to make a particular du'a for yourself, for some situation, you can do that in the prostration in another language. But not in ruku. Not in ruku. The du'a and the, and the legislation of, or the permission of being able to use other languages, that's in the sujood the scholars will mention. Is it more virtuous to raise your hands in du'a? Yes, yeah, scholars, they mention that it's good to raise your hands in doing the dua. It's from the means of the dua being answered. That's good. Raising the hands. It is mentioned. It is one of the asbab of uh, acceptance, raising your hands in dua. The only difference of opinion is whether you should afterwards wipe your face after making the dua. That's a difference of opinion. There are some hadith. There's a, there's a few hadith about wiping your face after you make dua. All of them, though, are weak. But sometimes, if they are not that weak, like imagine, you know, like you mentioned before sometimes, if you have your line, that's a cut-off line. Above that line, it's an authentic hadith. Below that line, it's a weak hadith. Below that line, you could have a hadith that only just, it's just under the line. It's only just missing out on being authentic. Uh, and some narrations could be right down here. They're absolutely weak, forget them. So these narrations about wiping over the face, they are all just below the line. There's a few of them, but every one of them is just below the line. So some scholars say in that kind of situation where you have a few hadith, and all of them are just below the line, and there's a few of them, 
you can kind of combine them to make them into one stronger narration that just about you can then push up to say it's authentic. So some scholars, that's what they say. They say all of the narrations are weak about wiping your face, but they're only slightly weak, each one of them. And when you combine them, you could maybe just push it up into being valid and you could wipe on your face afterwards. But other scholars, they say no. Every one of them is weak and you can't combine them to push it up. So stay away from wiping on the face. So that's a, a difference on that issue there. Yeah, you mentioned regarding dwarfs. Tawaf is a general act of worship and ihda al-a'mal. It's one of the topics about what kind of actions are you allowed to do on behalf of other people. Umrah, hajj, those things obviously you can do. Tawaf, top of my head, I don't remember if it is one of them. It could be that you can make the intention of tawaf as an action for others, but I don't remember, so I don't want to say. But Umrah, Hajj, charity, all those kinds of things, obviously you can do on behalf of other people. But we'll have a look into that, see if tawaf is one of them. Is there anything you should be doing before the dua uh, to make it accepted, like sabbat and praising Allah, for example? Yeah, some of the scholars, they mention about doing the, the prayers upon the Prophet, Allahumma salli ala Muhammad, to begin with that, at the start of the dua, general remembrance, and also to mention the names of Allah. If you're, for example, seeking forgiveness for something, then mention the name of Allah. Oh Allah, Al-Ghafoor. Call upon Allah with His names, Al-Rahim, Al-Rahman. Call upon Allah with those names and then make your dua. And that's one of the means of the dua being answered as well. And then generally everything else, being upon wudu, being upon you know the good state and, and pure state, and all of those things are good in making the dua as well. Just a little, uh, so, what's, so, uh, so you know obviously there are three types of acceptable tawassal. So by the names and attributes of Allah, by your majesties, and I think one more which I've got from the mind. There's apparently a difference of opinion. Uh, most scholars say this is a bitterly form of tawassal where you do it by the right of the messenger or by the right of so and so. But some of the scholars that Imam Ahmad apparently allowed that you can make tawassal with mm. the right of the Prophet or the status of the Prophet. So, what so what is the correct sort of position uh, about doing tawassal through the right of someone? Because I know Shaykh Bani like, he's, he's against it in, in his book. In the tawassal book, yeah. I don't know about the other opinion. I don't know about the Imam Ahmad's opinion and his evidences for allowing it. I don't know. Why is it for Allah? People make dua to Allah and Allah say that the prohibition in the Quran is referring to idols. None of the prohibition is for everything besides Allah because dua is an act of worship. So it's impossible to do an act of worship to anyone besides Allah. If you do an act of worship to anyone besides Allah, it becomes shirk. Whether it's an idol or it's a person or it's the Prophet or anything. This is an act of worship. How do we understand the hadith of the blind man which uh, people have been like to which hadith? The hadith of the blind. blind. Which hadith? Or what, what's the hadith? So, um, I don't know the hadith. Hmm. Generally, the meaning. Generally, is hmm. the blind man went to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, asked him, uh, you know, make the or you know, do something about my eyesight. And hmm. the Prophet told him to go away, uh, make dua to Allah. And hmm. then he gave him specific wording to say. Hmm. And then in the wording he says, Oh Muhammad, I turn to you. Uh, that Allah cures me. Uh, so mm-hmm. mention that wording in the actual. Okay, I don't know. The hadith, I don't know. Somebody bring the hadith next time, we'll uh, look at it. But I don't know. I don't know. The, it depends on the exact wording, what, how the wording was said. And Allah alam. I don't know the hadith, exactly the wording of it. Mm-hmm. If you bring the exact narration, we'll look at the exact wording. We can see the explanation of the scholars if they explain something about the mentioning of the Prophet in there. 
Some scholars even define its authenticity as well. Possibly, possibly. Mm. Yeah, I was going to add to that. Um, they use another narration from mm. the people, especially from the Bariyawiyah, where they say that even after the death of the Prophet, this is a hadith of the Prophet, they say, and apparently Imam al mentioned this as well, that there was a, that, that same blind man, that there was a Bedouin who came to the grave of the Prophet, mm. and he used this exact wording, oh Allah, and then he said, oh Ya Rasulullah, as well, oh Muhammad, I turn to you by the, you know, and then he quoted that thing. Yeah, I think I've got a mark on that for inshallah. And then they use and they say that you can make to wassail through the Prophet even after his death as well. This is the evidence that they use. Alright, so let's start with getting the original hadith, checking the authenticity to begin with. Once we check the authenticity, if it's authentic and accepted by the scholars, then we can move on and look at the explanation. But if, the, uh, if it's not authentic in the first place, nothing else to say. These are the, the narrations they used to like, bypass everything in the Quran, so it's there, we can just make the own. No, no. So uh, we'll look at the narration first. If somebody finds that exact narration and the references, we'll check the validity first and uh, what the scholars say about the authenticity of it. Mm. Exactly. All right, we'll see you next week then. Thank you.